Two university students take on the world of sports. Only this time, we're doing it our way. Will we make it? Who knows? Follow us on the road from CAGS to Richmond. guys welcome back to another episode of the kegs to riches podcast here i if you can't recognize my voice already am kaylin scotiabank called myself coach k a couple times before kegs whatever you want to call me we have a great episode in store for you guys but julian how are you doing today brother uh i'm doing well you know it's been it's been a nice couple days we had a bit of a hiatus since our last recording in this one and if i'm keeping it 100 i'm very very excited for this one mainly because of the guest we have today uh, host and creator of the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, an amazing sports media student at Ryerson University, and a guy who's basically done it all, and I don't even think he's 20 yet. Uh, Josh Kim, how you doing today, baby? How you feeling? Wow, you guys, you guys really nailed that and nail all the intros here. And I'm I'm just trying to match your energy this morning. I, I don't I don't wake up this this early typically, but uh, it's great to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Trust us, neither do I. <laughs> None of usually Not our no, recordings. Man. Usually our recordings are between uh, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time, just so you know. So getting up early isn't usually our thing, but we like giving a nice little change of pace when it comes to CAGS to Riches. And today we have a great episode in store for all you guys listening at home. We're going to be talking about or giving an overview and our own opinions on each series that just went by in the first round of the NHL playoffs. And we have time at the end. We're going to be talking a little bit about the MLB. So you know what? Let's just hop right into this, Kalen. Any game in this first round you want to get us started off at? We'll just start over in the East Division and work our way East to West like we did in our predictions with Mr. Baumgartner. Um, first series I'm thinking of is Washington and Boston. Boston took that in five, I believe. I'm just kind of doing this off the top of my head. I don't have it right here with me because, as you know, Kingsbridge yeah, is, is no preparation. So Boston won in five. Josh, we'll go to you as our guest. What do you think was the difference in this series? What happened that Boston was able to take it? Um, well, Boston's a playoff team. Washington, while technically being a playoff team, weren't aren't really a playoff team. I mean, Ovechkin kind of went silent, and that's kind of been a, a reoccurring theme across these playoffs is just stars not showing up. Some of them have, some of them haven't. And and Ovechkin, I think he had, he had one goal through those five games, and that's just unacceptable when it comes to when it comes to a playoff series. So for Boston, I mean, they're, they're built for the playoffs, man. And, and if I, if I'm another team, they're, they're a scary team. And I know they were only, I think they were only the third seed, but man, they are built for the playoffs and they, and they know how to play when the games really matter. So kudos to them. I don't like them very much. Um, and that's mainly because of the stress and the trauma that they brought me over the past decade of me being a hockey fan, but and I'm trying not to let my bias affect my answer, but they're they're a strong team. They got great components. I mean, Taylor Hall has been a great fit for them when he came over from Buffalo. And I mean, you know, who saw that coming? Um, but but really, they're 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 a team that's built for the playoffs, and and they they really proved it. And no one was really counting them out because everyone knew how good they were. So uh, Washington, that was kind of a pathetic effort. I mean, it's it's the second closest thing to a sweep without actually being swept. So. That's that's pretty pathetic when you're the higher seed and you get ousted in five games by the third seed. But they're a good team and they're both for the playoffs. And and it, it pains me so much to say that because I, I've spent years of my childhood and teenage life hating them. But, you know, what can you do? I mean, to be 100 percent fair, 
it's almost second nature if you're not from the city of Boston to hate Boston sports. That's just kind of how it's built in this world. People hate the Patriots. They hate the Celtics. They hate the Bruins. I think they, I think they hate the flag football team up in Boston. I don't even know the name, but if they exist out there, I know for a fact and no one likes them. But yeah, I, I am going to talk about the same way that you said, Josh. Boston is a playoff team. They have been a playoff team and they basically have to be with the amount of experience that they have on that roster. Like for them, it's like we have to be a playoff team or what else is there on the table? Like there really is nothing else to it for them. I watched this series specifically Uh, compared to other ones. I didn't watch every game, but I did watch every Bruins Capitals game. And this series was exactly how you would expect it to be with both of these teams. It was just a game where it was just gritty. That's the word I have to define it. Gritty, like hard hits on every play that no one was giving up an inch of the ice, but the Bruins have just got it. And Taylor Hall, it's weird because based off of how I saw him in, in Buffalo and everything, when he got traded to Boston, I didn't think he'd fit the system as seamlessly as he has in Boston because of the fact that Boston is that type of gritty team. I was like, Taylor Hall has a bit more flair. I didn't think that would fit as well, but I mean, I've been proven wrong. He had a really solid series for them and I got to, you know, tip my hat off over to Taylor Hall, man. If he can somehow get his career back on track, man, you know, that really, really does help him out. Uh, the Capitals, there really is nowhere to go here. Ovi's already older. Um, and this, they were in a similar situation to Bruins when it comes to just being a more experienced team. Like at this point, the Capitals basically just have to tear it all down, just start from square one and start a new era in the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, Boston... It's been said twice now, but I'll say it again. They're a playoff team. They've been a playoff team, like Julian said, for nearly the past. Sorry about that. My dog is fucking crazy. Um, Okay. Yeah, Boston. Boston's been a playoff team for fucking ever now, man. They like, when you think of Boston, you think of a playoff playoff team that wins like they beat vancouver and then vancouver fucking rioted which was kind of funny to watch but yeah i mean a lot of like i what the first three games went to overtime they were all so close like these you know this series is gonna be close but i think didn't think boston was gonna be able to take it in five i had a feeling they might win but taylor hall man i think he was also the biggest difference maker because that ability to score goals and shift around and just move around the ice so effortlessly and being able to just move around the Capitals defense and they just really could not keep up with them he had a couple nice goals and he's just been playing really phenomenally since he got into Boston from Buffalo but I mean as soon as anybody gets out of Buffalo they're going to start having a performance like Taylor Hall where he's scoring almost every other night and having points every night it's just Buffalo is a dumpster fire, but this is a playoff podcast right now, so we won't talk about Buffalo because there's really <laughs> not much to say in excuse for them. But let's shift on over to the other matchup in the East Division, the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Islanders took out in what, six? Yep. Uh, yes. Julian, we'll start with you, our resident hockey expert here. What are you, what are you thinking about that podcast? <laughs> No, Josh just made a face. No, yeah. As the resident hockey expert here, I do have to say, I really do like watching the Islanders play, but it's going to be interesting how they end up matching up against Boston. Because as we said, 
Boston, they're proven. They've been here. They're seasoned. They know what's coming. They, they're prepared. You know what you're going to get from Boston in the playoffs. This Islanders team, especially in the series against the Penguins, and you also saw it during the entire season, they're either bombs away in your face, we're putting the puck in the net, or they cannot hit the goddamn glass with that. Like, they might as well put me on skates that night. Like, that's that's basically how the Islanders play. Um, but they're a fun team to watch. I personally really do enjoy watching them. But then again, I do not, I do not wish to be a fan of them because of the fact that you know, it's all over the place. Matt Barzal, uh, amazing player, and he really was the catalyst for everything when it came to the Islanders. For the Penguins, uh, we were kind – everyone was kind of anticipating, do we see Ovi versus Crosby one last time? Is this what we're going to see? And it didn't come to fruition. Like on one side, the Capitals didn't step up for it, but on the other side, now did the Penguins. The Penguins ended up crumbling here to this Islanders team. Um all in all, just, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I didn't watch a ton about of this series, but based off of the small bits that I did watch, the Islanders are just very, very in your face or just nowhere to be seen. And the way that it just comes off in that aspect, they're going to really have to step up their consistency if they even want to have a chance again against Boston. Like, the two, they've already played two games in their series. They're tied 1-1. And like I said, it really does come down to those aspects. Game one, they lost 5-2. They seemed like a shell of themselves. They just didn't know what to do in that game. Game two came out with a lot more heart. And it was a back and forth game. 4-3 overtime win for the Islanders. So that series is going to be very, very, very fun. It just depends on what Islanders team is going to show up. Because we know what brought, we know what Boston's going to give us. Boston's going to give us what they do every single year. And they're going to be that team. Everyone knows what they're going to get. The Islanders are a very, very unpredictable team. And if they can, if they're able to keep their explosiveness up consistently in this series, uh, you could maybe even see them make a run. But who knows with this Islanders squad? Who really knows? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that that we we always know what we're going to get when Boston plays. And, and to a degree, you're right, because we all know that they're a playoff team. We all know that they're a consistent playoff team. But in a sense, we also always know what we're going to get when the Islanders play. We're going to get a great defensive effort, and that's exactly what we saw. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not going to say Pittsburgh was one of the best offensive teams because they weren't, but they definitely had the firepower to, to be able to compete and to be able to produce in the playoffs. But what we saw, well, really two main things. Um, we saw a team in the Islanders completely stick to their own, to, to the system that every player has bought into. I mean, we rarely see a, def- a team commit to – to a defensively minded game and defensively oriented game, especially in this day and age when goals are at like an all time higher and, you know, just some insane numbers and record breaking numbers being put up on a daily basis. But we saw a team buy into the system and that's really what happens when you can get all of your guys to commit to one, one strategy. We also saw the sheer and utter collapse of the Penguins goaltending. And if that proves anything, it proves that Marc-Andre Fleury was indeed the answer for this Penguins team. And I, I, I still like, I know he was older and I know his six, like people were like, you know, he's never going to win cups again. And he's never going to experience that level of success again because he's getting older, but man, he has made the Penguins organization look awful since he left. And, and it's just, I mean, it's one of those things that where hindsight is like, it is 2020. So like, you can't really predict that he would have had like a renaissance of his career and just, you know, play, play out of his mind and, on uh, Vegas and today even he just got nominated for the Vesna. So I mean, 
where's Matt Murray in Ottawa? Where's Tristan Jari? Probably crying in his apartment. So, you know, I just like it, it's one of those things where it, it sucks and you couldn't have predicted it. But man, it looks terrible now. And I got to give a shout out to Julian because your hockey knowledge, man. I, I don't know where you what you read or where you I hope you read my articles, but I don't know what what you read or where where you're getting your sources from. But man, your hockey knowledge has grown exponentially since since we Thanks. last spoke. So no, props yeah, to you. I have this very, very beautiful site on the internet called hockeyfordummies.com. Uh, I've definitely sat down and given that a couple of reads, but, but mainly it's just, I don't know. I think as sports fans, you guys can understand this. When you watch another sport, if you watch enough of it, like you'll pick up the basic rules and then from there you can understand styles of play. You can understand how people play. Um, like, for example, I, I know Kalen is not a soccer fan whatsoever. He doesn't like football. He, he thinks it's boring. I don't blame him in some senses because y'all North American people don't know how to commentate that shit. Um, however, um, like Kalen, if he watches enough soccer, if he watches one game, he sits down, he's like, okay, seeing how this, this person in the middle, they're the key distributor. They're the ones that do this. And then you ask him like, hey, is this guy a forward? Is this guy this? You ask around. And if you watch enough games if you watch enough things like you you'll be able to pick it up and this year i've really sat down i've tried watching as much hockey as i can because i'm like hey man i'm moving to toronto and i'm coming from a country that doesn't have an ice rink in the entire goddamn country so i need to know something because i'm not i'm not i'm trying to have as many job opportunities in this world as possible and if i'm moving to canada and don't know fuck all of hockey like i'm the one in trouble so um, I, I really felt like I needed to pick that up. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. But yeah. Way to buy into it's... the culture, man. You have to. And you're right. I mean, literally our whole program is our huge hockey fans one way or another. And if they're not, then they don't really get included in that conversation. So you want to be on that, on the right side of those conversations, man. Yeah, exactly. There are some people that aren't, and it's just not as fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, on your soccer point, I can I I get the game. I just think it's boring as fuck to okay. watch. Okay, Kalen, here's here's my formal invitation since we're going to be living together. Colombia. When I when I tell you this, I I cannot stress it enough. The commentator in Colombia will make you not even be able to get up from the couch because like he speaks so you won't even understand it. So that's gonna make it even more exciting for you because it's just a dude talking fast with a lot of enthusiasm and you don't even know what he's saying. Um. But he's really, really just captivating. Like, my mom is not a fan of the sport. My brother's not a fan of the sport. And they still sit down and watch it because it's like this guy, you cannot get up and use the bathroom because he will commentate a ball going out of bounds almost as if it's a goal. Like, the guy is just enthusiasm all around. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's just really, really goddamn fun. If, you, if anyone listening at home or Kalen or anyone – uh, is interested like look up uh, Javier Hernandez um, no Javier Fernandez my bad uh, he is the commentator of the Colombian national team he is absolutely amazing so forget the shameless plug about a guy who will probably never hear this um, Kalen what are your thoughts on this Islanders Penguins series I think like Josh said it's that they all really bought into the system you don't see many teams go with the defensive first system a lot of the times like it has already been said it's offensive first like you look at the Oilers they're not defensive first not a chance like it's like pass the puck off to McDavid let him do his fucking thing that's basically their entire offensive system but then the Islanders they got really good goaltending in that series they got really good defense in that series and then their offense did their job they got enough goals past Jari and especially since 
like Josh said, the collapse of the Pittsburgh goaltending. It was really kind of fun to watch, um, to be honest with you, because I've never really been a huge Pittsburgh fan, and that's kind of funny because I'm from Nova Scotia, and so is Sidney Crosby, and people always just assume that I like the I like the Penguins and that I'm a Sidney Crosby fan when I'm really not that big of a fan of them, and I think that's kind of funny. But yeah, I think I don't know how the Islanders are going to do after they get in after the two games they've already played against Boston. It'll be a fun series to watch, but they really they got the job done, and that's what it's all about in the playoffs is being able to do your job, score some goals, play a good 60 minutes of hockey night in and night out so you can get the best four of seven games against any given team in the league. Honestly, uh, having the Islanders-Bruins matchup in the second round is probably the the matchup that I would want if I were to pick a winner out of that series. It, it would either be Pittsburgh-Washington or, or Boston-New York. Like It wouldn't be anything else. So in that sense, I'm kind of happy. And I've come to this point where I, I'm not going to say I had like a huge life-altering realization last night after the Leafs loss, but like I came to a point where I'm like, you know what? There are teams you can hate, but you also need to admit that they're pretty good. And and those two, even though I, I do dislike them both out of pretty much any other hockey organization ever, I got to admit that they have some stellar players. I have a lot of players that I really like on both teams. Like, love me some Patrice Bergeron here and there. Like, that guy's a god at faceoffs. And Matt Barzell's a, a god as well. Um, funny enough, actually, I actually have a funny story. Go for it. Um, Adam Pellick, he's a defenseman for the Islanders. He actually went to my high school in in Toronto. And now it's kind of funny to watch him play in the NHL. He he went there long before I did. But every time he plays, like my my old high school coach always posts about it on social media because, you know, he's an alumni. So I think that's a funny connection. Um, and now that I'm I'm speaking this out loud, I, I I feel like I should reach out to him just to just to see if I can, you know get his attention saying we went to the same high school, but that's uh, probably a long shot, but yeah, that's a, that's a fun connection that I have um, to my own high school. But uh, yeah, I got to admit there, there are some good players on both teams, even though I don't really like the teams as a whole and, and what they stand for, but you gotta, gotta give credit where credit is due sometimes. And I've learned that over the course of the year, past year, especially you just, you gotta give credit wherever, wherever you can. No, on, on your on your point of like former high school, uh, I didn't go to high school in the U.S., but the high school I was supposed to go to uh, currently has two people in the MLB that are up there. Uh, my I would say friend, but he's, he was kind of a rival growing up. I don't even think he remembers me, though, because I dropped out of baseball at some point uh, and he just kept going. Uh, Kobe Mayo, he was drafted, I believe, in the third, fourth round by the Baltimore Orioles this past draft. So that's very, wow. very. I'm That's excited crazy. to see how he does. And the other guy who went to that same high school, uh, you might have heard of him. He's a three-time All-Star. Uh, his name is Anthony Rizzo. Um, you might have heard of him. Uh, but he went He went to the high school I was supposed to go to. And I remember I was growing up, and everyone's like, yo, Anthony Rizzo. And I'm like, bro, I just play baseball because I enjoy it. I don't really watch it. I'm going to be honest with you. Like It was, it was really weird because everyone's like, bro, did you see Anthony Rizzo today? And I'm like, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I went to the Diamond. I pitched. I hit a home run. I went home and now I'm watching SpongeBob on the TV. Like, I don't really care. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> like, That's crazy. That's like, crazy. MLB was never my sport. Like, I'm like, oh, I love baseball, but like Major League Baseball, especially because of, well, we can talk about it later, but like, there's a lot of things about it that just don't sit right with me. 
um, in a fan perspective, you know, like there, there's, there's a variety of different things, but we'll, we'll talk baseball afterwards. Let's move on over to the South division and Central. Oh, Central, my bad. I'm sorry. I, I really have no idea how it works here, but we have a series that I was very excited to watch. I think everyone was very, very excited to watch. And that was uh, Lightning Panthers. Uh, that was a very, very interesting series to watch. The Battle of Florida, so to say. And a lot of people had it going to seven. I had it going to seven. I know. I think Kalen also had it going to seven. I think Baumer also had it going to yeah. seven. Um, but Tampa won in six. And their final game was a four-zero uh, shutout, basically. Just domination against the Panthers. And that's one thing I noticed of this series. I'm going to speak first. Uh, the games were kind of lopsided, like the final game, 4-0 four, four to the Lightning. Game 5, 4-1 to the Panthers. Uh, game 4, 6-2 to the Lightning. Like, the type of games were like that. Of course, early on in the series, we had a 6-5 overtime thriller. But most of these games, they just seemed like, apart from Game 1 and Game 3, they which were the really, really close ones, like most of them, looking at the score... Obviously, on the ice, they really slugged it out. It's the Battle of Florida. It's, I believe, the reigning champion. Yeah, it is in the Lightning. And then the Panthers, who want to obviously won up the team in the same state as them. Like, that obviously is going to have a lot of sparks flying. But, you know, it just – it seemed like this was just a game of – like a series of heavy hitters. One punch, one punch, one punch, back and forth, back and forth. And we had some very, very – two very fun games. But other than that, it seemed lopsided. And once again, bringing up the point we made on the Baumer podcast, the Lightning absolutely played the system to get to where they are right now. So what, whether you hate it, whether you love it, which most people hate it because they're not a fan of this team. And obviously the fans of the Lightning, the three of them that live in Tampa um, are very, very happy about that. But, you know, you got, you, got, you got to tip your hat to them. They played the system and it's been going in their favor. So, you know, the NHL is going to have to reform it eventually. But respect the Lightning to where it's due. Um, but, yeah, big series win for them, especially against someone in state. And that is something that a lot of fans like to watch. Josh, what, what do you think about I don't this? know. I don't know what Bomber said because, like, I didn't listen to, to what he had to say. I, I really just thought he'd be, you know, crying or something that the Panthers got <laughs> eliminated. I would be because just the way they managed to lose the series. And yeah. I just – said like i literally just said you got to give credit where credit is due whenever you can because it's, it's something that a lot of people don't do nowadays but i'm just gonna retract that just for this segment because the panthers deserve no credit and i'm not gonna give them an ounce of credit because they don't deserve it i feel really bad for jonathan huberdo and alexander barkov they spent years playing in front of practically nobody <laughs> their team was mediocre and they were still producing, and obviously, like they're they're they were right, widely regarded, you know, the past five years or so as, as some of the most underrated players in the league, and for good reason. The one year they get fans because Florida was one of the first, I think, to let fans into the building. Not only that, their team was actually good. Like they produced well, and all the pieces that they added in the offseason came together and meshed together beautifully. So that alone was impressive enough and and florida's been the the pinnacle of mediocrity 
Um, actually, as a matter of fact, I think they have the longest drought of not making it to the second round before the Leafs. I think they haven't made the second round since 1996. I think I saw that on Twitter yesterday. Not sure. But regardless, they were poised and ready to to make noise. And even against Tampa Bay, I think they, they first of all, they took them to six games with and and really their 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 weakness was goaltending again. It's a reoccurring theme. Their their weakness was goaltending. I mean, Chris Drieger, I'm not going to crap on him too much because he was pretty good and he kind of came out of nowhere. He was one of those AHL journeymen that kind of just found their way to the show. So credit to him, but he didn't do that well in the playoffs, but he doesn't have any experience in the playoffs. So I'm not even going to, I'm not going to dive into that too much. What I, who I am going to crap on though, is holy crap. Sergei Bobrovsky is garbage. I'm sorry. I know Bomber's probably going to listen to this. If he doesn't agree with me on that, like, I'll give you guys both 20 bucks. Like, Sergei Bobrovsky sucks. Like, he's he's de- redefining the term garbage. And and it's crazy because he, he's in year two of a $10 million contract, and he's getting paid $10 million for the next five years. And he, what, got pulled twice? in like the four games that he started. I know Drieger started one and oh wait no. He started three because Knight started the last two. Drieger started one and then he probably hand, handled the last three but or the the first three. My god, man. Should be ashamed of yourself. And I I'm not a, I'm not even a huge fan of hating on players, but for a team that's been that doesn't get the media attention they deserve, that has two of the best players in the league and signed this goalie to really push them over the edge. And it looked like a really good move at this start. Obviously the contract doesn't look great in a couple of years, but from where Bobrovsky was coming from at the time where he signed the contract, this looked like a great move to make. This has been a dumpster fire and, and really no one saw it coming either because Florida was really good throughout the, throughout the regular season. So Bobrovsky had a really good year, a really good year this year after a terrible one last year. And now the Panthers make the playoffs as the first seed and, and are trying to, or sorry, the second seed and, and are trying to, to really, you know, establish themselves in the league now as a, as an up and coming team. And, and he just flops on his face. Not, not, not okay. That's like, that's ridiculous. Embarrassing. And I, I feel bad for Florida because I know their team has sucked for the last, I don't know, longer than the Leafs. Let's, let me just put it that way. To put it in even further context, uh, I grew up five minutes away from the Panthers practice rink and you would hear nothing of them. So if if that means anything to you when it comes to mediocrity or no one fully caring about like the Panthers, uh, there's that. But yeah, the Panthers, they, they had a, a tough break in the regular season. Like, as you said, uh, Bob Bobrovsky, the man, um, yeah, he had a very, very poor uh, playoff series. He was solid in the regular season. Um, so playoff jitters. No, I'm just joking. Um, no, because he was, yeah, he, he was a, he performed well in the playoffs with Columbus. That's the thing. He's done yeah, this before. And he was, he was on a, on a worse team and he did better. How is that even possible? I don't, I don't know, know, man. <laughs> I mean, but like, yeah, Brossi- Columbus, those teams sucked. And yeah. Bobrovsky was often their saving grace and, and really kept them in games. Here, on the one team that he's act- that that he's on that's actually good and actually has a chance and a legitimate chance to make the second round, and and that happens, and then you you throw the responsibility of your of your starting goaltender job on a twenty year old. Kudos to Spencer Knight, by the way. Uh, again, 
heartbreaker because he stole the gold medal from Canada at the World Juniors. But that's besides the point. Putting like placing that burden on a kid, on a child, a child. He's a child, guys. He's a child, and he looks like a child too. You, you like, he looks like a kid. He looks like he's fresh out of college. Not even, and. And you you put him in a road building in an elimination game, and then you're like, and here and you're like, here we just signed you to an entry level contract. Take over for our ten million dollar guy and see what you can do. And he actually performed. That is so like that's laughable, guys. It it's, it really is. And I'm yeah. sorry, Spencer Knight. He deserves better. He deserved a better start to his NHL career, but uh, just just yeah. terrible. It's so bad. And um, I, and who knows what's gonna happen? Because at this rate, you're gonna put Bobrovsky on the shelf and. And just waste away the ten million dollars, or it's probably going to become seven if they buy him out, or something like that. But uh, just crazy stuff. Josh, I regret to inform you, but you uh, you owe Julian and I twenty bucks each. Um, he 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 so said Borowski's good. He so I said at Alex Baumgartner, I have a question. This is in our Instagram <laughs> hockey chat for the intermission. Oh no, yes or no? Does Bobrovsky suck? What's crazy is I was about to hit send tweet on a Bob thing right now. And I was like, what's the answer? He's like, look at the tweet. I'm like, but does he suck? The tweet's ambiguous, man. He's like, he doesn't suck, but he's not worth more than $4 million. I've seen him make big saves this season quite frequently, which is something I haven't seen a lot of goalies make. And if he wasn't playing Tampa in the first round, he still might have his job. Oh, my God. Okay, no. No, no. I'm calling a technicality on that because Bomber's stupid. Are you kidding oh. me? Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Julian, no. Julian, real quick. Put it on the polls. Does Bobrovsky suck? There is no... <laughs> he did not just blame the first-round opponent for Bobrovsky sucking. Like, he, what did he just say? He just said that if Bobrovsky wasn't playing Tampa, he would still have his job. Who cares? If you sign a guy for $10 million, you bring him in in any situation ever. Like, oh my God. Alex, I'm sorry. The I know you're a Panthers fan and you cover the Panthers, but you got to wake up and just acknowledge reality right now imagine that's like me saying jack campbell would, campbell would be so much better if he didn't play god mode carry price in the playoffs it like that can be applied to any situation and it just becomes even more stupid the more comparisons we draw from that there is no way no way there's no way you can possibly blame sergey borowski's atrocious play for playing tampa obviously it's never going to be easy the playoffs are never easy we know that. We all know this. But to blame the opponent for why you played bad? Alex, man, you got to do better than that. And and him saying he's not worth $4 million literally translates to he sucks because he's making $10 million right now. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll go on the technicality that you don't have to send us each $20 right now. Oh, no. Now, now my anger is directed to, to somebody else, not you guys. It's directed to Alex <laughs> now, man. Come, like, come on. I don't even cover the Panthers and I can acknowledge reality when it hits me, man. Like, th- this isn't even my team. He's bad. We all just know this careful. now. Just be careful you don't make your biases shown here. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any bias towards the Panthers. I might now because I might hate them a little more after what Alex just said, but my God. No, but one, one thing that we can talk about when it comes to the Panthers itself is whether whether you like it or not, Bobrovsky had a bad playoff series. You can talk about some guys underperforming. Ever since the Aaron Ekblad injury, they've been playing out of sorts. Like that that just shook the team up. They have the talent like they have in, in Huberdo, in Barkov. Bobrovsky was solid in the regular season. Obviously, he ended up choking in this series, but – 
the the loss of Aaron Ekblad really was a catalyst point and a changing point to how the Panthers tried approaching this season because he was absolutely insane this year. Pretty sure he was on course for a Calder nomination or something, wasn't Norris. he? Like he was Close. Norris, oh, yeah. Norris, my bad. But he was he was he was good. Like he was really damn good for the Panthers. So that injury really did harm them. But to an extent, you are right in the sense Panthers, the players did solid, but the goalkeeping, my goodness. Yikes, yeah, crikey. I mean, it, it really sucked because I I did have hopes for this Panthers team in the playoffs. But you know, I think like Julian said, it's the Ekblad injury. I would love to have seen how they could have fared against Tampa since they already took him to six games without their top defenseman and arguably the Nor- one of the top Norris winners this year, or at least a nomination he was going to get. It would have been a completely different series, in my opinion, if you have. Oh, I, I totally agree. Defenseman. I think a lot of people forget about that and yeah. how gruesome and how, how brutal that injury was to watch. So, but like, if anything... It's kind of just a testament to how bad Bobrovsky was because they took the Lightning to six games without their number one defenseman and With their goalie. Keepers. Without keepers. two goalies, actually, because Drieger wasn't that good either. So, I mean... They looked, like, they looked like the Leafs historically when it comes to keeping Wolves. Like, they were just... They were playing yeah, roulette. It was... Just... It was <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really just, uh, you know, throwing temporary solutions at, at very big problems. And, and I don't know. It, I just... Maybe Alex is onto something because, like, clearly he's he's pretty set in stone about uh, about Bobrovsky not sucking. So, I I, I, I guess he's I, I, I guess don't he's think he's something. worth yeah. ten million dollars, even close to that. I, as soon as this signing was, signed, I don't even think I he's do. worth four after what we saw in that <laughs> in that playoff series. I don't. And some breaking play. news, just to inter- interject here. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, uh, you know, team names changing their names for, you know, I think it's political yeah. correctness or respectfulness. Did the, like, did, yeah. did, the, did the Cleveland baseball team finally announce what they're changing their names? No, to? but a CFL team, the Canadian Football League, they just actually, Keg, Kegs, this is going to impact you Edmonton too because Eskimos. the Edmonton Sorry, Eskimos Edmonton are no longer team. the Edmonton Eskimos and they're not the Edmonton football team because they just announced what they're being called. They are going to be called the Edmonton Elks. And I kind of yeah. like that name. Oh. I am not gonna lie. I and the logo, the logo fire. The logo's fire, man. The lo- the logo is actually fire. Is it? I'll have to check it's that out like, after. Their the their Twitter handle is the Edmonton football team, but that's not what their their team name is. Oh God, the Edmonton, Edmonton Elks. Jeez. Edmonton Elks is your Even, new version. So they were talking, and like the number one thing I thought I saw that it was like pretty likely was like the Edmonton Empire, and that kind of at least sounds like a little that sounds badass. Cool. No, wait, it sounds wait, wait, wait. cool, but the Edmonton Elks, you have to be fucking wait, kidding me, wait, man. My favorite, my favorite thing is I just looked it up, or right? I just looked up Edmonton Elks. Google's like supporting me in this sense, and the first thing that pops up is logo concept for the Edmonton Elks, and it's a photo of John Deere, uh, like the John Deere logo. <laughs> <laughs> that's just way too funny wait what's what's wrong with the edmonton alex man that's that's a pretty good name no it's no, all I, 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 I don't i don't, like I don't have it. any complaints for it then again i'm not a huge uh hey, cfl that logo fan, actually so. does look pretty sick yeah i mean who know man but i still <laughs> like the edmonton empire that actually sounds like badass but whatever what type of, what type of empire is there in alberta bro like, oil baby Except the oil, they're not an empire. <laughs> Pale people, translucent people. 
<laughs> Moving on to the other uh, the other matchup in the central that we had, the Hurricanes. Oh, this and was a fun one. The Nashville Predators went this to six a, again. Yeah, I believe a, a lot of series are going to six. Uh, Carolina no. absolutely dominated it for the most part. I mean, I didn't really watch many of those games, so I will let. I think Julian, you watched a lot of those. I games. watched a oh, couple. Baby. I watched. Oh, a couple. You guys, take the lead on this, but I think that everybody baby. knew Carolina was going to get this done. No, maybe yeah, in a, maybe in one or two more games than I thought they would personally because yeah. it's Nashville. I mean, we, but once again, it's as we say all the time: it's playoff hockey. You never know what the fuck's going to happen because, like, your goalie yeah. could shit out on you, <laughs> Bobrovsky, Carey Price could steal a series. Uh, Oilers could get swept. These are all things. Mike that Smith happen. can decide to enter retirement while still on the ice. No, it wasn't Mike Smith's fault, no, man. Come on, no. come on. No, man, I, just, I, 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 mean, I, we'll get to that later. But I'm. Just I love say hating one thing about that series. I Honor, love hating on on the Oilers on the Oilers like you know off season decisions and stuff. But Mike Smith was nothing short of phenomenal this year. No, no, I'm not. I'm I'm just throwing. I'm just following what the Twitter bandwagon's doing because all I've been seeing is oh yeah Mike because Smith he's memes, like everyone's like, favorite player to hate on the Oilers. It's crazy. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, bro, this dude's 39. Like, you can't really like fully blame this dude's got limited mobility in his hips now. Probably like no, probably the, the guy, the guy put up Vesna like numbers. I'm surprised he wasn't nominated are... for the Vesna to be honest. Then yeah, again, I, I think like. Oh man, I mean, I know it's just on like regular season performance, but even in the regular season, he was really good. So like, I'm I'm kind of surprised he wasn't nominated. Like Philip Grubauer, really? The Avs were good. He was barely playing. Like, I don't understand where that came from. Like, Flurry, yes, Vasilevsky, obviously, yeah. But I think Mike Smith should have been up there. I, I agree. Think. I don't think he should have won it, but I think it nominated. I think yeah, he would have come third, obviously. But yeah, think, I think he should have been. Like nominated. you would think the most the, the player that people love to hate the most on the Oilers, you would think it would be. I don't know this guy, uh, Zach Cassian. You know, like kind of steps on a guy with his skate, uh, ragdolls to Chuck, which I love watching that video every night before I go to sleep. Cassian gets bumped hard by you know who, Kachuk. And Cassian's mad, and here we go. Now there's going to be penalties in the game. They've been going at each other on and off all night, and Zach Cassian is incensed. But yeah, the Panthers series. Josh, why don't you take it away from here? The uh, Hurricane series. The Preds and Hurricanes, man. I like. <laughs> so the credit where credit is due, Quip only applies to the Panthers in this case because they suck. Uh, but credit where credit is due to the Preds. I mean, man, I think everyone was pegging the Hurricanes to sweep them or, or take care of business in five. To let it go six and to win those two thrillers at home in overtime, just in front of a full house, is is exactly what hockey's made for man like this is this was like a lopsided this was almost as bad like on paper this was almost as bad as st louis versus colorado so anything short of a sweep i think would be considered a success for a team that you know if you guys remember correctly at the trade deadline they were thinking of just selling everything because they were they they were you know kind of mediocre and then they realized they were in the playoff in a playoff spot and they were like hmm if we can just hang on to this this season will be a success. And they ended up doing that, ended up getting, you know, forcing going six with Carolina, who's again, one of the best teams in the league. I think we all know that by now, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to say Nashville is going to become a consistent playoff contender for the next, you know, five years, let's say, look, the chances are they're probably going to end up rebuilding anyway, because 
you know, they're not going to make any progress in, in their division at all. So that might be a bit more bleak, uh, a bleak reality for, for Preds fans. But really, I think this is about, you know, enjoying how much your, how far your team has come. I mean, they were, weren't even expected to be competitive this year, let alone make the playoffs. So I think this is one of those cases where, you know, you just got to be appreciative for what happened, for what went down. And for them, I mean, I love Philip Forsberg. I love Dante Favreau. I mean, Roman Yossi is a man rocket. He's like one of the most attractive men I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just I, I think that they deserve the credit. And, and I really think that uh, that I mean, just just for them to get to game six against the Stanley Cup contending team as as the fourth seed underdog. I mean, you get my you get my props and you get my my approval for sure. They got some talented players. They're probably going to tear it down, which I'm actually now that I say it out loud, I can almost guarantee that they're going to tear it down because they, unless they go out and sign some crazy free agent or something like that, I, I don't think anyone would want to go to Nashville right now. They're kind of uh, in the middle of the road. So, you know, tear it down, start over. They they made the cup final a few years back, and, and that was their moment in the sun, but they got to tear it down now. But uh, as of right now, just, you know, be there for Fred's fans. They've been through a lot. Nashville as a whole has been through a lot. Like the city, not even just the hockey team. The city. I, I agree. Yeah, as I think tennis, there was. As a Tennessee Titans fan, I can agree with the sentiment. Oh, I wasn't even talking from a sports, <laughs> sports like other sport uh, perspective. But yeah, they have had a lot go down. They've, they've had a lot to go through this this past year. I mean, the tornado. There was a shooting there yeah. that like barely any people talked about. And and yeah, I just you know got to be there sometimes. That's what that's what hockey's all about. Brings people together. And uh, Carolina, you're you're lucky you didn't get upset because, uh, I mean, <laughs> you would have become the new laughing stock of the league, and they also have some some phenomenal players. So, Just, but I, I'm with Nashville on this because, like, I think you know you can you can be upset that your team got eliminated in the playoffs, but for me, if I was a Preds fan, I'd probably just you know soak this one in and just be thankful for what for what went down. No, this was this was a fun series. And when I say it was a fun series, like game one, Carolina won 5-2. You're like, okay, this is going according to script. Game two, Hurricanes 3-0. Okay, this really is going to how the script is. Game three, double overtime, 5-4 Predators win. Now we're getting somewhere. Game four of this series, Preds 4, Hurricanes 3 in double overtime. Okay, the series is tied. What the heck is going on? And then you move on to game five, 3-2 Hurricanes OT win. Damn, this is really getting crazy. And then the series deciding game, Hurricanes 4, Preds 3, final overtime. This was the series that everyone... This is the series that everyone wants to watch in the sense of like, oh boy, it's going to overtime. It's like super close. It's all like, that's what sports fans want to watch. That's just the type of thing any sports fan want to watch. Like as a fan of football, extra time. If my team's playing is a pain as it is for any fan. If your team goes to overtime or extra time, whatever, it's a pain when your team's in it. But when anyone else is in it, you're like, oh man, this is what the sport's about. This is fun. And this, this series was the epitome of fun. Smash yeah, you, you want you want series Smash to be competitive, like any even exactly. if it's between uh, a fourth seed and a top seed. I mean, you, like this just contrasts the the Colorado St. Louis series so well because Colorado absolutely dusted the Blues. Um, 
but you but hockey fans in general just want games to be competitive they want yeah. the competition aspect to be there and it was so hats off to nashville no smashville decided to like revive themselves as they call themselves uh but yeah this hurricane team is really really good like great unit and now they move on to the next round they're going to be taking on the lightning i believe they lost game one they did they lost game two game is one. uh tonight it was a very game embarrassing game one loss for them as well. That was uh, that goal <laughs> that Tampa Bay scored should not have gone in the net. But yeah, no, shifting but yeah. on over. Speaking of dusting the Blues, the Colorado Avalanche swept the St. Louis Blues like many people predicted. I don't think anyone. This might have been the only one that actually came true for a lot of people's brackets because everything else is kind of flipped upside down. This one. If you pegged Colorado to sweep, which I think a lot of people did, it, it happened. And it happened in literally exactly the way everyone envisioned it. They got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this Blues team this year was not really that great. I think they've, I don't know, they go from winning a Stanley Cup two years ago to scratching into the, crawling on their knees into the playoffs this year just to get absolutely fucked by Colorado I don't know is Colorado gonna get past Vegas more than likely but you never know with that president's trophy curse in the NHL you never know we saw Tampa Bay a couple years ago get swept in the first round by Columbus after they won the president's trophy how did you guys feel about this series the four short games that were played well, if there's one thing that I learned in this extent and actually into the regular season, so conveniently enough, Jordan Bennington is there's something wrong with that guy. He's insane. Like, I, I really th- like, OK, the legendary interview where the guy asks if, he, if he's nervous and he's like, do I look nervous? And then there's the answer that will live in, in fame forever because I, I respect that. But the like once that the. the- there was a g- 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 girl who want, want, wanted she can't even read. to cut out. Did you really get us in trouble? Air, air, air. Today, Junior. How it it he gives off this cockiness that's so that's so easy to hate, and it's one thing to be cocky and actually be good. He was garbage. Like, his team, like, if it weren't for the other terrible teams in the division, St. Louis wouldn't even be in the playoffs. And they missed the... Okay, so I, I also saw this stat somewhere. It was Colorado, Vegas, or Vegas, Colorado, or it was Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota. And then there was, like, a 15-point drop-off between Minnesota and St. Louis. How are you talking so much shit and trying to fight literally every goalie in your division if you are that bad of a team? Like if it weren't for those California teams, St. Louis would not be in the playoffs. That's that's literally it. They they were just as bad as them. So not only does fighting trying to fight every goalie piss me off because like it's literally the most we love goalie fights. Yes, but we we only like goalie fights when it's relevant. You getting pulled and then skating across the ice to literally fight everybody on the team is not okay. Not in this league. And then of course, trying to fight Philip Grubauer in the playoffs. Yes, that makes plenty of sense, buddy. Like that that's great the huge and i i want to like him because he's a good on he's from ontario he's from richmond hill he's, he's a good kid but like wow just that is not what the game is about 
And like, maybe if you focused on stopping pucks more instead of trying to fight everybody else, maybe St. Louis would have stolen the game here or there. But like, just the how far he's fallen off since the Blues won the cup, man. It's almost as if like he took that cup victory and and just is trying to just coast the rest of his career because this season was terrible. Like, man, just bad. I think Vegas needs to come up with an over under on how many times we see Jordan Bennington cross the red line this year to try. I know, and and like for what? Like over unders probably set at like six and a half. I, I yeah, I have no idea why he why he does that. Like it's. It's one thing to to try and generate energy for your team when they're like down, but man, leave that to the fourth line. Like, don't don't make a big save here and there. Like, actually, do your job. Your job is not to fight people. Like, that is not that's that's probably the furthest thing from your job. So, not sure what to make of that, but bro, I'm just I'm trying I'm trying to imagine like being a goalie on the other side, you're just like sitting there, you're like, you know, you're drinking your Gatorade, you're like minding your own business. You see this fucking dude just coming at you and you're like, really, this guy again? I'm surprised. Like, seriously? I'm surprised somebody <laughs> hasn't hasn't absolutely killed him yet in a game. Bro, like, like, like I'm imagining keepers are just like, like they, they're not, like they're, they have to fight him because, you know, like they circle each other and it's for the show and it's just how hockey is. Like I'm trying, like a keeper is just standing there, right? Just like you know, he's drinking his Gatorade, dude's just vibing. Like he's just like, I, you know, it's a close game. I gotta keep performing for my team. He, like looks up, he's got like his helmet like partially off after drinking a little Gatorade. Just like looks up. This was just coming at him. Like I, I can only think it's like seriously, this guy again, really? Like what's wrong with you? Like, like hey man, if you want to fight people, just call up Wayne Simmons and just start playing on like the sixth line or whatever the hell it's called at this point because that's your role dog like that's if you want to fight people that badly just do that like you might as well career renaissance is just a fourth liner that just fights everybody every shift he gets what a king bro nah but if this series has two words that can be put into words nathan mckinnon this guy's legit like everyone knows this every actual hockey fan knows this but as someone who was new this year and spent almost the entire year hearing about Connor McDavid this Connor McDavid that Austin Matthews this Austin Matthews that you would hear about Nathan McKinnon but he plays in Colorado Colorado like there's no real market out there so seeing him do this in a playoff series seeing him continue to be amazing especially after seeing McDavid and Austin Matthews both no show in their series Man, this guy. I mean, this McDavid, guy is McDavid, McDavid showed up. McDavid, McDavid showed up. There. I mean, he was there, obviously, but I mean, you were expecting more from. Him. Hard What's to do much honest? when you have an AHL team backing you up, but like he was there. Not only that, it's hard to do anything when Connor Hellebuck is standing on his fucking head the entire series. That's also true. He he went Carey Price mode 2.0. I mean, they were they pretty much played the same. So honestly, yeah. okay, actually, sorry, Julian, not to cut you off, but. No worries. I, I wanted to touch on, on Carey Price going VOD mode for two seconds because Michaela, who's also in our program, Snapchatted me yesterday and, and she said that, you know, I I said that Mike Smith will, could also pull something like that off given the way he was playing. I'm going to state this and I don't want anyone to come for me on social media or anything like that. Mike Smith also went Carey Price mode in the playoffs. Like, and I mean, legitimate Carey Price mode in the playoffs. Similar to Hellebuck, similar to Price himself, those three guys were practically the same person in the series. The only reason we're not talking about it enough is because the Oilers lost. That's the only reason. But keep in mind, three of those games went to overtime, and all, and yes, it was a is it would there was one that was high scoring, but like, man, 
Mike Smith was also a shot away from a shutout. Like, we have to give more credit to Mike Smith, and I never thought I'd actually say that in my life because I spent last season, when he got signed to that extension, I spent last season absolutely hating on the Oilers for signing uh, an aging goaltender that was probably not going to, like Julian said, probably going to enter retirement very soon. But man, all three of those guys went Carey Price mode, including Carey Price himself and Michaela. If you're listening to this, I stand by my statement and when I said that Mike Smith could pull this off, and, and he definitely did. I think, so. I think on that note, we kind of have to start talking about the North now because we've, we've mentioned every single goalie. Who cares about North. Nathan McKinnon? I, I mean, no. I do. But like, <laughs> no, he's, he's the point is Nathan McKinnon. Everyone knows is he's good. Everyone knows he's, he's amazing. Good. Real and quick, the, we'll just finish he, he up just the is. West Division, though. Minnesota, oh, yeah. Vegas. <laughs> I was really, I had higher hopes for Minnesota, just kind of like the Panthers, but they are a young team. I think they turned they're, a corner. They, they turned a corner. 100%. And that's, that's the most important there. thing. They're going to get because they have Kirill Kaprizov, who played Kaprizov. amazing, is probably yeah. going to win the calder this year i mean oh Robertson hands really down really close to him because Man, it's not that close it's th- like I jason robertson closer than you think it's probably closer than i think but i also think it's not that close because like i mean jason robertson yes went went off in the second half but Cap- kaprizov was doing that the entire season like he was doing that the whole year before robertson even kind of established himself as a as a premier threat for dallas so with that in mind it definitely goes to Kirill the thrill obviously yeah. and like Minnesota, you're in the similar boat as Nashville, man. Like hockey fans know this this team has been in the middle of the road for like years and years and years. Good enough to make the playoffs, but never good enough to do anything. This is this was the year they finally they finally did something. And and I and I know they didn't move on, but like this is just a promising sign for things to come. I mean, you finally get stable goaltending with Cam Talbot. Um, Kaprizov finally comes over from Russia. He's really good. I never thought I'd hear that sentence. You get stable goaltending from Cam. Well, Talbot. that's the thing. I think a lot of people forget that Cam Talbot's actually a decent goalie. He was good in New York, not that good in Edmonton, but now he he's was good in Minnesota. For the first year that he was there, that yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And like, run? it's just, I don't know. This, 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 especially this year, this Minnesota team feels a lot different because I'm like, you know, this is. I, I always saw them as a team that was stuck in the middle of the road, and now they're finally, you know, pushing forward. And, like, you know, Joel Eriksson is only going to get better. Um, Jordan Greenway is only going to get better. Matt Dumb is only going to – well, he's closer to his prime, but he's going to get better. And, like, that that's that's really all you can ask for if you're a Wild fan. And I know they, they refer to themselves as the state of hockey or whatever. We all know Canada as a whole is the state of hockey. Thank you very much. But, like, I feel like this team has turned a corner, and, like, only good things will come in. And – Honestly, the hockey world and the NHL really is a better place when Minnesota is like actually competitive and makes the West interesting because that's for the longest time it was like LA, San Jose, Anaheim, and Chicago were all making the playoffs. And now it's kind of flipped around where it's like St. Louis, Colorado, and Vegas are all making the playoffs. It's nice when Minnesota is thrown in the mix just to just to see, you know, what they can do. And and I, I'm I'm confident for next year. I really am. And and that's uh honestly a good thing for uh for the wild and even though they have arguably the worst mascot in the league. I mean, what is that thing guys like Nordy? Who is that? Like, and <laughs> not only that, they also, they also retired their, the only, like their only retired number I think is, is for their fans. And like, that's also the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life because they don't even have the best fans in the league. Like their attendance isn't even that good. So like, why are you retiring numbers for your fans? That doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah. So questionable decisions off the ice they need a new mascot their logo looks cool but like i like where they're headed oh yeah it's just it is what it is man like that was that was an interesting series um 
Bomber did give credit to the Wild. He said, like, if there's any team that could really throw up a great series, it's going to be Minnesota. And, yeah, they played well, you know. As you said, will they turn a corner? It actually is looking like they will. So just time will tell, honestly, with this Minnesota team. Next season's really going to be more defining for what well, I can, can tell do. you if Cam Talbot was on Florida, Florida would be in the second round by now. Just saying. <laughs> All right. Oh, and now we I, I'm taking into... that one to the bank. Bomber can Bomber can come find me on that one. Like how like how can you say that? I'm I'm Get not I'm not here, gonna... folks. The pay-per-view fight between Josh Kim and Alex Baumgartner at Ryerson, right, right in the, the quad, young, right, right in the, in the quad. quad. Right in the quad. Get your tickets. Come see Kalen Roberts. Email me, Roberts at gmail.com. We're going to have a whole table set up. Oh, my exactly. God. Exactly. You'll get snacks. We'll get hot dogs, hamburgers. There's nothing fancy, but it's going to be a great fight. Three rounds, five minutes each round. Anything goes. Make sure you're wearing a cup, Josh. I, I will. And <laughs> honestly, like, I I I probably won't wouldn't be able to take Bomber in a fight. I'm going to, I'm like, just thinking now I'm, I probably couldn't take him in a fight, but if it's like a race or a hockey debate, definitely hands down for sure. But Josh, I think I can hold, I think I can hold my own. You think you can mm. take me in a fight, Josh? Honestly, like I, I it's hard because like I, he's a black I, belt. Shut up and say no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't like, I always like think of like what would happen if I actually got in a fight with people, but like, I don't know if I could ever get that pissed at somebody. Like I could get pissed, but like to a, to a point where I'd want to like fight them legitimately. Probably not. So, and not Julian, I know way. you would never fight anybody ever. So, like, no, yeah. it, it's hard to now, it's hard to imagine. But like, I'm I'm slightly different in that sense because I'm like, you know, on one hand, I would never actually fight someone because I've like when I was younger, I actually did fight a lot of people, so I already know it's like okay, punching dude in face, not very good. Noted. Years of bullying, noted. Like, things that I learned over that time. But I still get angry enough to, like, punch someone. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, there's times where I get so angry. Like, you know what? Like, if I didn't have common sense and experience from my life, I will gladly throw a left hook at this dude's face. Like, no, no jokes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. I, and, like, I, I'm kind of the same way. I just don't, don't think, like, I mean, fighting is there's no appeal to me and like especially fighting friends like me and me and alex are, are boys like i yeah, wouldn't fight him throw hands with a friend of mine that yeah stupid. exactly so like if although like if someone i think the i know we're getting off topic here but the only way i see myself fighting someone is if someone that i didn't know or barely knew or someone i didn't like like went after one of my friends that oh, yeah. or me then hands. i would fight them for sure hands like, That's... they're catching hands before they put their hands on somebody else like oh my god facts bro no no like I can I can relate to that like I, I yeah just basically <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah right. guys you're right we we got a name in the Zoom chat yeah for sure we're, we're not we're not discussing that further but we are we, we are, are we'll, discussing we will further. not disclose but we will uh, not yes disclose names what we will disclose is the North Division where let's, let's both... talk about Edmonton first because we can end on we can end on Toronto <laughs> yeah. Montreal like but I I, I I've not where both Kalen and Josh got their hearts shattered. Um, I think so, the audience already knows that, to be honest. Like, just how yeah. we entered this podcast, I, I think they know. They already know. Like, we, we were pain. talking about this at the beginning. They know <laughs> the already. Pain. No, but yeah. Um, Winnipeg comes out, and they bring out the brooms, and they send Edmonton back to Edmonton, basically. Cue the Oilers' goal horn right now.
Uh, but yeah, it's it was an interesting series. And as as we've said several times earlier, the only thing I can really say is Connor Hallibuck, man. Take a bow. Yeah. You, like if, if the city of if he enters the city of Winnipeg and you're not offering him a drink, something is legitimately wrong with you because he's probably one of the few reasons you're still in the playoffs. So well, as someone who covers who, as someone who covers the Jets, I know I know Bomber covers the Panthers. The Jets are the least okay, obviously the least for my team to to follow and stuff, but I also write about the Jets, so I know what's going on in their neck of the woods. Man, I did not expect Winnipeg to kind of flip it on a 180 and, and really do this. I mean, I said Oilers in six because I knew Hellebuck was going to show up. But just based on the way Winnipeg played against the Oilers across the regular season and the fact that Connor McDavid was unstoppable, the fact that they couldn't even handle dry settle, the fact that Mike Smith was playing out of his mind. And again, we talk about people having career renaissances like Flurry. Mike Smith falls into that category. The dude's 39 and he put up Vesna-like numbers this year, which is absolutely insane. You know, I think this is a mix of, well, first of all, I think the Oilers got exposed for kind of the team that they were. They have no depth behind McDavid and Drysdale. So on the off chance that they get shut down, you're winning that game no matter what because they can't score. They they really can't score. So, you know, I like the sweep was a little was a little surprising to me, but it's a lot less surprising when I consider the fact that like pretty much all four games were close. So that is kind of just a testament to how to well one how good Mike Smith was and and two how good the combination of Drysaddle and McDavid are to just drag their team forward when they're losing. But as Julian said in the preamble, this comes down to Connor Hellebuck and and just the Jets being a much more well-rounded team. Um, we rarely see a team turn it around so quickly because the Jets were were terrible in the last two weeks of the season. And um, yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due. Again, I feel like I'm saying that a lot this episode, but they they deserve it because, I mean, for them to to really just look at themselves in the mirror and, and commit to an entirely new strategy to try and shut down the Oilers. It worked and it took a lot of effort for sure. And, and Connor Hellebuck played a big part in that. And there's no denying that, but uh, at the end of the day, they're a deeper team. They're a well, more well-rounded team. And, and it showed, it showed badly. Honestly, Oilers did not get any support behind McDavid and dry. So they didn't, well, they didn't get any support during the regular season. They got even less of it during the playoffs and you're not going to win games when, when that happens. So unfortunately for Kags, his team goes home early. And I mean, I guess my team technically goes home early too, but we're going to get into that later. Yeah. I, um, I feel like Kags, I feel like you, you've already like spoke your mind about your thoughts on, on what went down. I, I think I just need to fully take my turn to speak and air out all my grievances and be, Go for really, it, man. be a really depressy boy for a second. Cue the sad music. Edmonton. I know, I know you have it in you to win, but like, you got swept and the worst part is, we outplayed them almost the entire series, but just the puck bounces weren't going our way. Not trying to make any excuses because Winnipeg, Winnipeg played great. Connor Hellebuck, you're a god. The refs, you suck for both teams, for all series. I'm not saying that just because my Oilers lost. I'm saying that because in the entire season and playoffs, this has been the worst officiating I have ever seen in my life. Something has to change. In the Oilers, the depth needs to be there, but the refing too. It 
it's so frustrating watching because when the Oilers collapsed in game three, when they were up four to one, Josh Archibald took a penalty for a low hit on Logan Stanley. And it's a penalty. It was. Don't get me wrong. Josh, I see you're getting a little curious as to where I'm going here. It was a penalty. Don't get me wrong. That was the tipping point for that game. But then late in the third period in game four, McDavid's knee gets absolutely clobbered by a knee on knee hit by one of the Jets. I can't remember who it was. I was Dylan DeMello. Yeah, I remember remember that play. And it went uncalled. Like, I'm sorry. Okay. If if you're gonna call it one way, call it both ways. No, no I I, I don't see care about that. I see your problem with that, but at the same time, I saw that clip and I I would be pissed too. But I also see that was probably one of the odd cases where I could actually see where the refs were coming from. That was a missed hit. He wasn't. I in my humble opinion, I don't think he was going for his knee. He missed a hit, and that happens. Is that a penalty? Maybe, but I think in the refs' eyes, that's a missed hit. I still think, like, at the end of the day, like, for any star player, whether it's Matthews, Marner, McDavid, McKinnon, I think at the end of the day, you still have to give them kind of the benefit of the doubt. There's something... Because there's, that's, your, that's your star players. Okay, you need to give them the benefit of the doubt, them. but they, they, that, that hit was wildly different compared to actual, like, regular knee-on-knee collisions because I believe, the, in the clip that I saw at least, DeMello led with his shoulder. His legs didn't flail out to either side. He just missed his hit because McDavid is so, you know, elusive like that. When I'm thinking about the Alex Edler hit on Zach Hyman, when Hyman dodged the hit, Edler deliberately stuck his leg out. That is, that's dangerous. For me, in in my eyes with the DeMello play, I don't think he stuck his leg out. I think he missed the hit with the shoulder and then his body just kind of trailed after. Like that's, that's really what it was. I'm going to search the clip now to watch it, but. I see it both ways, but even in overtime, within the first two minutes, McDavid's going up the boards along the bench. He gets absolutely fucking hauled down by the Jets. Oh, never mind, Kags. You're right. He stuck his knee out. Yeah, yeah no, that 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 was not a missed hit. My bad. I'm just yeah. gonna retract that. But man, yeah, now, like obviously, like no hindsight is that. 2020. Hindsight is 2020, obviously. But like, yeah, he's, he stuck his leg out. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there's no. And then McDavid that. did get absolutely destroyed. Like he went like somersaulting the like. Yeah. Oh boy. And then later in the overtime that same game, McDavid gets hauled down, like obviously, and there's no call. I'm like, okay, whatever. Overtime playoff hockey of game four, let him play. Don't no, care. Don't let him play. That's a uh, that's a one of the worst things the ref can say. And I, like if I'm a I player and I it. I'm just listening to to a ref say let them play, I I'm doing everything I can to get away with a penalty. Like I'm, I'm like whacking them. Yeah. I'm cross-checking. Like, yeah, it's crazy. No, that's I mean, not the way the game should be played, man. I agree. But I mean, whatever if, but if they're going to call it that way, call it the same call for both, both sides. Ways. Then Yamamoto goes into the corner with one of the Jets players. I can't remember who and hauls him down. And there's a penalty there. Like, what the fuck is that? I'm sorry, but NHL, you need to fix your officiating. That isn't the reason it's, the Oilers It's lost, unfortunate that like one of the every critical reasons. game, it's unfortunate that every critical game can be kind of traced back to like one pivotal call or one pivotal miss call in this case, where it's like, that's going to, like, this is literally the defining moment of the series. And and this is actually a great segue into the Leafs and Habs because last night, Eric Stahl, 
literally grapples onto Travis Dermott in the corner. I saw that. Hauls him down right in front of the ref. And the ref is like the ref is directly in front of it. No call. Pierre Engvall, little, 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 uh, little tug on Cole Caulfield. Boom. Penalty. Where is the consistency? First of all, that was a turning point because they scored. Montreal scored on the Engvall, on the Engvall penalty. Like they, they literally scored. And then Ilya Mikheyev, like a few minutes later, darting up the middle. And he, he, it looked like from the initial angle that he, that Simmons tripped him because he was just right behind him. But on the replay, it's so obviously clear that Jeff Petrie literally jabbed his stick out and Mikheyev stepped on it. That is a penalty. They, oh my gosh. I, I couldn't believe it. So obviously, yes, it sounds like we're, me and Kags are both like blaming the officials for our teams losing. We're not doing that. We're just saying like the ref thing in the NHL needs to be more consistent, which I think every hockey fan should agree with. But, you know, since Kegs had his moment to, to vent about the Oilers, Take I'm just going to vent Josh. about the Leafs. And and be- before I start, I'm just going to say that it's not as negative as you think. So, like, obviously, oh, oh my God. <sighs> I've been saying this for a long time. I, I've, I've been saying that this, this Leafs team, this past decade at least, has been defined by, yeah, cue the sad music again, has, has been defined by... Well, that 2013 collapse in in Boston and a bunch of other playoff failures not making the first round since 2004. We've seen the numbers already. I want to remind people that the Leafs weren't actually supposed to make the playoffs, let alone force a game seven against Boston. That was the lockout year. That's the reason they made the playoffs. And to be down 3-1 in that series back in 2013, I was just a child. Everyone in this on this podcast episode it was just a child to force game seven after being down 3-1 in the series is an impressive accomplishment enough and I don't think that gets enough credit because everyone always you know thinks about the the four the four one collapse or whatever it was in the uh in game seven so that was the defining moment flash forward to 2016-17 we weren't supposed to beat the caps because that was the first year of the rebuild losing six in the first round okay no one's mad the next couple years are, are also filled with pain because we go to seven twice against Boston, again as the lower seed both times, lose, and like obviously like I have nightmares about that because like that was also the year that everyone thought we were going to turn it around. So like the patience is wearing thin already after those two years. Last year against Columbus as finally the higher seed in a very like a relatively easy first round or qualifying round matchup, whatever you want to call it. To go down like that in five and get shut out in game five, you felt the pain. Like that was, that one was arguably worse than anything else. And we never thought it was going to get worse until it got worse. This year is just like, this year is like Boston times 10. Like this year, not only do we lose to a rival as the higher seed, but we collapse and blow a 3-1 series lead and lose three straight games. Now, all that is negative, but I want people to remember, if you are a diehard fan, a diehard Leaf fan, that fandom is sticking with you your entire life, no matter what. Just because the pain, you can never forget that. And yes, sure, after their loss, go ahead. Cheer for the Seattle Kraken. Cheer for Vegas is not too late. You can do that, but you will always remember the pain you felt as a Leaf fan. And I realized this while lying in my bed last night after their loss, after editing my own podcast episode. 
I realized that my fandom and my diehard fandom for this team, I have a jersey hanging right behind me right now. My diehard fandom will never leave, ever, because I've been through too much. And honestly, it's worth waiting for to watch them succeed than to just ditch it and cheer for another team. And not only that, you know, I, I always say, like, I, people always threaten online that they're going to leave and, and cheer for another team. That will never happen because the Leafs are, again, one of the best franchises this league has ever seen. Don't come at, don't at me in the comments or whatever. Don't at me on social because you know that's the truth. Second most cup victories in league history. I don't care if there were six teams. The NHL was still a thing. It counts. It it just is, you, it's one of those things that you have to accept. I mean, you have to be ready to obviously expect heartbreak. And each year, each year that passes, obviously that heartbreak is going to get more and more painful. But to visualize how amazing it would be to watch them succeed, finally get over the hump and finally do it. And yes, I know this year was actually the, the year that was meant to be, apparently, according to many. You can't let go of that fandom, ever. You really can't. Because you'll never forget the PTSD that all those playoff losses bring to you and those around you. So, I know everyone's disappointed. And I know everyone calls for whoever player's head after the, at the end of every playoff loss. And I know that's a, a thing. Trust me, I do, because I've been there right with you. But I'm here to tell you that your fandom's never going to leave and my fandom's never going to leave because it, it just isn't. It, it's one of those things that's ingrained into your DNA for life and your children. So that's a mic drop if I've ever heard any. Like, your I'm just bringing... is never going to It's never going to die. It's never going to leave? Oh, my God. That ruined <laughs> it. But, like, it, it's never... Yeah, you're right. Kegs, you're right. It's never, it's never going to disappear. I'm always going to cheer really hard for this team. I'm always going to watch pretty much every game I can. Always going to write about them. Always going to tweet about them. It's fine. I've accepted it already. And I think that's a healthy thing to do for a lot of Leaf fans out there who are struggling after last night. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really good to see you have some self-realization and you've come to some amazing life choices after the Game <laughs> 7 loss. Um, oh, least, man. I feel like I'm, oh, my well, God. Julian and I will go over it quickly because you've said about everything that could be said. You know, it it was just a matter of Carey Price. Carey Price officiating, and then you just didn't get the goal power you needed. Well, I want to emphasize that Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews did not show up at all. This this They had one goal between them across seven games. Like, we talk about McDavid, Dreisaitl, McKinnon. We talk about all those superstars actually coming to play. Even Crosby came to play. Sidney Crosby, who's like mid-30s now. Like, we signed these guys. The, Matthews wins the rocket. Marner finishes top five in scoring in the league. And then for them to put up like goose eggs in the playoffs when it really matters, when we need them the most, unacceptable. Well, and I love you Mitch. Know, they, they I love Austin. They always say you can't win with two men. Well, you can't. Um, and our depth is better because we actually won a couple games. But like, Jesus Christ, man. I Oh, my God. Like, I'm trying to defend Marner to, like, the best I can. But, like, how do you defend a performance where he had as many playoff points in his career as delay of game penalties in the playoffs? Like, he has five. Five of each, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> in case in case people didn't know that. He has five total career playoff points and five puck over glass penalties. I, oh, my God. Just, just that stat alone just sums up everything that Leaf Nation, Leaf Nation is feeling right now. And... You know what? 
they just they need to feel that pain because like Mitch, no, that like we all know he knows we all know that that performance is absolutely unacceptable. Like we we all know this by now. Julian, I don't okay. think we need to put Josh through any more. No, pain I mean, no, I'm it. I'm gonna I I wanna I wanna look at this as a non biased because I know Kalen has a very strong disdain for the Leafs and Josh is a Leafs fan. I'm kind of the neutral guy here. I'm just going to say it how I saw it, at least. Obviously, I might be right. I might be wrong. Uh, firstly, game seven. From the moment the puck dropped to start the game, the Leafs were not there. The whole game they played without heart. It just seemed that way for me. It just seemed like they already gave up right as the game began. That's just how it came off for myself. And after that first goal from Brendan Gallagher, like you can just tell like this Leafs team, like they, they need something. Well, that was the like one, the only weak goal Campbell's allowed this entire series. Exactly. Like saw, that was brutal. Campbell, Campbell, if we're, if we're talking about amazing keeper performances, we already mentioned Hellebuck. We mentioned Mike Smith. We mentioned Kerry Price. Oh, yeah. We sorry. have Jack to Campbell mention Jack Campbell. Yeah. This kid, and I say kid when he's, he's what, like what, 27, 28? Yeah. He's, he's, he still had an amazing playoff series. Like he, and for me, as someone who is a neutral, watching the post game interview, where he put all the blame on on himself because of one cheap goal, dude. Dude is has the heart of a lion. Much love to Jack Campbell because if there's anyone that this series it wasn't on, it wasn't on him. He had a great series, and that's yep. just how it was. But one thing that I do need to mention, we mentioned it earlier when it came to Aaron Ekblad. We need to understand the toll that losing John Tavares, the captain of the Maple Leafs affects that team because yes it is only losing one player the Leafs are the superior team they're expected to win true but when you see your captain go out on a gruesome injury like that it's still going to affect you mentally and it's also going to affect the way that you play because new people are going to have to step up into the role that Tavares had new people are going to have to step up into these games and quite frankly no one did and lastly the final point that I want to make for the Leafs is they took their foot off the gas you were up 3-1 in the series You took your foot off of their throat, and that's unacceptable regardless of the sport, regardless of what's going on. If there's one thing that is crucial in sports in general, you cannot get your foot off the gas because as soon as the momentum swings, it's very goddamn hard to stop it. And that's just what happened uh, with the Leafs. I think what's even more heartbreaking about the losses is that they made incredible comebacks in both games five and six, only to lose on two horrendous giveaways to end the game if that if all that stuff choking giveaways comebacks that fall short if any of that stuff doesn't define what this past decade of maple leafs hockey has represented i don't know what does and the fact that people are not like screaming that we're cursed more is appalling to me we are cursed and that is just the reality of way the way it is how can everything work out so perfectly for the other team every single year that we just continuously lose. Like it's a curse. It's a curse. Yeah. No, it, like I said, it's yes, the Leafs are cursed. That that is no no messing around. But as you said, a lot of people didn't step up. Matthews didn't step up. Marner didn't step up. Nylander did step up in some games. Gotta give him credit where it's due. But towards the end, he seemed like he fell off. Um, gotta give shout outs to Jake Muzzin. And Jason Spezza, they did very well in the minutes that were given to them. So props to you guys. But the Leafs as a whole, 
I think the main question with them is just what do you do now? What do you do now? Because like last year you were able to pinpoint what caused the loss. We needed better goalkeeping. We need better this. We need better that. And Kyle Dubas went out and got everything you needed on paper. What Kyle Dubas has to sell his soul at this point because there's really nothing else that he can physically do to help. To, to end this team. on a rather positive note, there actually is something they can do. And I saw this on Twitter last night. Um, veteran leadership is something that's highly regarded across the league and the Leafs went out of their way to get veteran leadership. Looking back, that did nothing. Nick Foligno did nothing in this in this series, in his Except time with Toronto. Except fight Corey Perry. Except fight Corey Perry, unnecessarily. He did nothing. So what Kyle Dubas needs to do now, we've tried the approach where veteran leadership wins you playoff games. That didn't work. You go out and you get talent. Pure talent. This year, they had a chance to get Taylor Hall instead of Nick Foligno. They went with Foligno for a more expensive price. That looks terrible now on Dubas. I'm, I'm sorry, but he doesn't deserve any of the blame here. You go out and you get pure talent. Depth, scoring, everything. Riley Nash, not an offensive player. And it looks great because that's when you rely on your top guys to produce. They f- fell way short of the mark this year. You go out and get them help. That's it. Yeah. Well... Josh, I don't think we'll put you through any more pain and suffering about talking about the Leafs. Um, so on a good note, that will be the episode for this episode of Kegs the Riches. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pre- pleasure to have you on talking about hockey. Sucks we couldn't talk about baseball, but I guess that just means we're going to have to have you on for another episode soon enough. I have been Kalen Roberts. Julian has been Julian, and Josh has been Josh. Make sure you to go... Check out Josh's podcast, Get Your Head in the Game, and his articles at thehockeywriters.com. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Josh. No, you nailed that, man. And come at me on Twitter at JoshGame underscore. So if you disagree with any of the things that I just said over the past hour and a half-ish, add me on Twitter. I'll, I'll fight you. And just one last thing. The only research we do here is on the people that join it, not so much the topics we talk about. <laughs> exactly. Thank you guys again for tuning in to this episode of the Kegs to Riches podcast, and we will catch you all next time. Peace out, you magnificent bastards. Oh.